The following podcast may contain spoilers, profanity, and views or opinions that may not be representative of the author's intent of the articles discussed. We don't always take ourselves or the subject matter seriously either. Listener discretion is advised. The following is a Galactic Netcast production. For more, go to GNCasts.com. The Force is strong with us, and we hope it is strong with you. Welcome to another edition of the new Jedi Archives with Zach Hagenbusher and Ben Schultz. Well, hello, Zach. And hello, Ben. How are you? I'm okay. Uh, I I know it's been a very disappointing 2019 for our listeners because we have been very all over the place, and that is pretty much entirely my responsibility. So I, I will own up to that as I have in the past, and I can only hope that we will continue to be better in the future. Um... Well, I, I have no intentions of stopping the show. I don't know about you, but I have no. no I'm, I'm good to go, and now with Disney Plus, there's all the more Star Wars to talk about. Zach. Exactly, exactly. The last time we spoke was a long time ago. It's uh, been a while, and even though I just now <laughs> released <laughs> the final episode from that recording session, um, I mean. It's very dated now. I mean, when you when you look back at what we talked about then with Matt Fazette, I mean, that was before the release of Disney+. Plus. Heck, that was even before we found out that Benioff and Weiss were no longer going to be involved with their planned Star Wars trilogy. Uh, so a lot has happened in the Star Wars world, and I guess I'd like to talk a little bit about everything that has gone on. Uh, in the past couple of months. But before we get there, let's just start off with the the hot main event here. Uh, Ben came to me yesterday, as of this recording, yesterday, and uh, he he told me something very shocking. But you know what? Maybe I'm not very shocked, because I've been on the side of the people who've liked The Last Jedi since The Last Jedi released. I mean, I've been going to bat for the film. I've been the advocate. Now, granted, it absolutely has issues that I can't defend. But there is a lot of good stuff in the movie. So I have defended that stuff. It is not without merit. But Ben has been on the more negative side of things. Um, That's an understatement. (laughs) Right. Well, this is not going to be much better because the part of the movie that I'm going to defend is the part that almost everybody hates. I know that that that's kind of what shocked me about it, but that also makes it all the more interesting uh, to go back and and see what kind of defense you're able to put up. Because up to this point, you have not defended the movie at all for pretty much any reason. Yeah, except for the one fight scene that I kind of enjoy watching. Right. So here's, here's in a nutshell, and, and to give the listeners a little bit of background, you and I had a conversation earlier this week via text regarding uh, the Solo movie. That's right. And what I was trying to impress, it was just a little tidbit, kind right. of, you know, what we would say on the podcast, you know, making a big grand point. Um, I thought you you had previously made the argument that you didn't like how the Han Solo movie, how Solo, a Star Wars story, painted the picture of Han 
really being the good guy at heart all along. Um, you thought that it was more compelling if he was really a scumbag and then became a hero. Right. Uh, and I think it is still just as compelling if he is always kind of a hero underneath. Because one, well, it gives justification to the idea that he would side with the Rebel Alliance instead of just minding his own business. Because you, you've got to lay some sort of foundation for that. Otherwise, it wouldn't make any sense at all. But two, um, if he really is the good guy, if he really is the hero at heart, if that's what he's best as, which, I mean, granted, the Star Wars movies are about heroism. <laughs> I, I mean, that, no, that's not what they're about, but they feature so much of it. I mean, the major contributions of the Han Solo character to the canon are all very heroic acts. Um, and, you know, we really only catch up with him at a point in his life when he is doing these great things because that's what the movies focus on. But uh, I think that there is poetry in the fact that he seems to want to be the scoundrel, you know, want to be the guy who gets ahead with maybe less than legitimate means. And at the end of the day, when it comes to doing the right thing, he's still going to do the right thing because that's what he that's when he's his most successful that's when he's attained the things in life i mean with the exception of the millennium falcon when he but even the millennium falcon if you think about that how did he win the millennium falcon he won it fair and square he didn't cheat he stopped lando from cheating no and that's how he won the millennium falcon so even something like that attaining you know maybe his most prized possession he was able to do by being the straight shooter by being a good guy. See, and and to me, Star Wars has always a been a morality tale. It's about good and evil, and that's just the way it is. But to me, Star Wars has always been a redemption story. And right. so, for Han to have always been the hero he loses that redemption arc. He's not the bad guy who does the good thing at the end. And it was that idea that Star Wars is, a, is at its heart, always a redemption story that made me relook at some of these movies and particularly The Last Jedi and realize that there is a redemption story in The Last Jedi, which is quintessential Star Wars. Okay. The problem is it's not the characters we all want to focus on. So um, before I, I get to there, um, let's look at some of the movies we all agree are good, like A New Hope. Okay. Okay. That's Han's redemption story. He starts as a scoundrel. In the end, he comes back. He's the hero. That's That's his redemption. You could argue once Cannon's involved that, you know, Obi-Wan... Uh, kind of redeems himself in that episode a yeah, little bit as well. I, I was going to bring that up. I, I do think that Obi-Wan kind of making good on the fact that he has been out of the fight, so to speak, for the last 20 years, uh, then sacrificing himself to keep the others safe. Um, I think that that also plays into that theme. I, I agree. And, and there's there's also an element. It's not, I don't think it's necessarily the primary um, 
but it's it's also an element uh sacrifice is also an element of star wars People absolutely sacrificing to do the greater good well that's war right that I'm, I'm well that's the romanticized idea of war right right so um you've got the sacrifice of obi-wan and then you've got the heroes suffering a great loss you know you've got the whole lars family the entire planet of alderaan so we've got we've got the elements of that redemption story. We've got the bad person who makes good. We've got uh, sacrifice, a heroic sacrifice. Okay. Uh, when we get into Empire, which is my favorite, things get a little shaky because who actually redeems themselves in Empire? Lando, to a degree. That's that's what I have on my list too. Is Lando redeems himself at the end of Empire? Vader, obviously, in Return, right? Right. Okay. So those oh, are the, I thought the it was Luke. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, Luke redeems the entire Jedi Order in return. Yeah, but, that's true. Um, so, okay. So we've got, but that redemption exists. Okay. And then we look at uh, Rogue One. That's a redemption story. The whole thing. Right. You've got Jin Erzo, who's in, uh, in a prison transport when it starts. You've got Cassian, who's not a good person at the beginning. By, I mean, he's, by his own admission. By his own admission. And both of them um, redeem themselves by doing this great heroic act. They end up sacrificing themselves at the end for it. Excellent. Right? Good. It's a good movie. Yeah. Uh, in Force Awakens, Han is back to being a scumbag. And he redeems himself in the end um, by sacrificing himself for his son, by uh, getting back involved in the rebellion and, and doing the mission. Redemption story. By creating the whole... I mean, I, I feel like that's something that goes underappreciated. If it was not for Han, not only would they not have gotten through the shield of Starkiller Base because he had the, the know-how and the flight skills to be able to get through the shields at their micro second refresh rate well no he didn't l3 did okay well that's your theory that's i think it's a combination of the two but he was but also he also thought, had the I, uh oh go ahead i was just say i thought it was han's skill until i saw solo a star wars story and then i realized that han's skill as a pilot is a lot of l3 being the best navigation system in the galaxy Okay, I mean that's your theory. I, I think that takes something away from Han, so I'm not going to take well, that I credit. I'm not going to take that. Han. I'm not going to take that credit from him. <laughs> I agree. It takes something away from Han. That's one of the reasons I don't like Solo as a Han movie. Sure, but um, the other uh, the other piece of that that I feel like goes underappreciated is he is the guy with the with the foresight that he sees the attack. I mean, they could have just turned tail, right? They could have, right. we got Ray, let's get in the Falcon and get the fuck out of here. But he looks at the attack and he's like, this is not going to work. <laughs> so we need to create an opening for them. Let's take these charges and go blow a hole in this thing. Right. So so that's another Han redemption story. Right. Okay. And that's the first movie of a trilogy seems to be the Han redemption story. The ones that work. The second movie, The Last Jedi, where's that redemption story? Well, it's probably Finn. It is Finn. Well, it, and you could say, I would say, that Finn's Luke, Luke redemption well. began in Force Awakens. 
Mm. But right, no, I, it, it didn't I, complete until um, Last Jedi. No, I I think it, it it's encompassed in the Last Jedi. I think Finn has kind of redeemed himself twice. In Force Awakens, he goes from being a stormtrooper to not being a stormtrooper. But when Last Jedi opens, he's going to run away from the Resistance. Right. He's his, leaving. His fight against uh, against the Resistance and against Kylo Ren in The Force Awakens, as we find out, was not motivated by a love of the Resistance or even really a... a a willingness to fight the first order he just he felt a responsibility to ray right right and so he's running away in the beginning of of the last jedi and in the end becomes a hero that it's finn's redemption story and luke is redeemed at the end of that too right so the problem with the last jedi isn't necessarily that it's not a good star wars story there's problems with filming we've talked about it i'm not beating that dead horse but we want to focus on ray and kylo but just like in a new hope yeah luke is the focus of the story he's the vehicle by which we travel through the tale but the story isn't really about luke right so by the same token the last jedi as much as we want it to be about ray and kylo isn't about ray and kylo it's about finn hmm. he's the redemption tale I, I mean he is to a degree but i don't think i don't think it's even close to arguable they they are setting up a redemption tale for kylo ren they may be setting up a redemption tale for kylo ren but he's not that's not his he's not redeemed no i mean absolutely not so and if anything it's arguable that he's tipped more toward the antagonist or the uh and side of the antagonist scale you yeah. know he's he's more antagonist at the end of the movie he's the he's the big bad at the end of last jedi Part of, I mean, this is kind of coming away from your point. I just want to make this point, though, because part of the reason why I kind of like where they've taken the Han Solo myth uh, is because it does mirror Kylo Ren's story in some ways, or at least it can. You know, the idea that you're ultimately meant, not, not meant, but your your greatest achievements can come from a different motivation of your life, but you're actively fighting against those things because it's not who you want to be. It's not what you want to identify with. And, you know, I think that that has definitely been Kylo's story to this point, you know, being the, the son of great figures and, you know, the nephew of a great force user figure, you know, the, the guy who brought down the Sith, the guy who, helped save the entire galaxy and then you know you you rebel he rebelled against that in a lot of ways uh you know and and a lot of them destructive and he's kind of living with the consequences of those actions and i think ultimately you know through the connection that he has with ray i do believe that he'll he'll eventually kind of figure out okay i gotta help i gotta i gotta take out this emperor guy because <laughs> he's not good and uh well, 
And maybe the rise of Skywalker will be his redemption story. Right. Maybe. But if you look at like the Clone Wars, there's not really one person who gets redeemed in the Clone Wars. But in a lot of episodes, the the cartoon series I'm talking about. Right, of course. um, In a lot of episodes, somebody is redeemed. That's the point of the episode. Somebody who was on the side of the Separatists decides to make good and join the Republic. That's almost always what, you know, you've got Hondo, who's kind of a scumbag, but ends up redeeming himself quite a bit. Um, You've got all the uh, politicians from separatist worlds that Padme convinces to join their side. So you've got a lot of these redemption stories. Rebels is a redemption story through and through. You've got Ezra, you've got Kanan, you've got Callus, all redemption stories. Right. Um, And the Freemaker adventures, even the Freemakers are one redemption story. They don't want to be involved. They just want to survive. And they get drawn into these things to do good deeds. Well, I I think that... I don't know if that applies as much. I'm not trying to, like, poke holes in your theory. But I I, I don't know if that applies as much to the Freemakers just because it, it seems as if they do have the intention and the motivation to do good. You're right that they don't want... At the beginning of the show, they aren't involved in the larger rebellion conflict, and they they don't seem to want to be. But right. I mean, once once they figure out that Rowan's a force user and that he can sense these kyber crystals, they seem to accept the responsibility of keeping that power out of the Emperor's hands pretty pretty quickly. Right, but that's still a redemption story. In, in they- some ways, yeah. Yeah, they, they go from only caring about themselves and wanting to survive to caring about more than just themselves and wanting to do what's best for everybody. <clears throat> but then, so go back to the solo movie now. Where's the redemption story there? Well, Just Chewie. <laughs> no, no, not just Chewie. I mean, Han has his own moment nope. of redemption. No, he doesn't. He doesn't? Han's a good guy all along. He doesn't, he's not a bad guy. But he's not he trying get, to be the good guy the whole time, Ben. I mean, uh, up, up, right up until he makes the decision that Dryden Voss cannot get his hands on this coaxium. Uh, he is playing into co- Dryden Voss's hands. He's doing his bidding. Right, but even then, it, Han's story in there with Dryden Voss... Han's not motivated stopping Dryden Voss. Uh, well, okay. You, you, I guess you can argue that there's some level of redemption there, maybe. But he's not trying to... I mean, he's trying to survive in the beginning. But he's trying to survive. He's trying to get the money to get Kira. His motivation is always good. It's not selfish at all. At any point. Well, again, I can't agree with you because when he joins up with Beckett, I mean, obviously you're right. I I think his motivation is this is my chance to get out. I get the money. I get to go back to Corellia and get Kira. And obviously, but, but that does shift when he 
rejoin or, or when he reunites with Kira in, in an unexpected way on Dryden Voss's ship. And then he takes the job knowing full well that he's not going to, you know what I mean? That dream is now out the window. So at that point, it's like, oh, well, now no, I get it's to not make- out the window. It is out the window because he's not going back to Corellia anymore. There's no point. Well, no, he's not going back to Corellia, but his dream wasn't to go back to Corellia. It was to get Kira. He still plans to get Kira at the end. But getting Kira is not an exclusive. Getting Kira is not like a greater good kind of thing. That's just, okay, now now I get to, you know, be with my woman. You know what I mean? That's my point. There's no redemption story. But it's not an exclusively... I guess it's not an exclusively bad thing either, but it. I'm not saying it has to be bad, but he's not. His motivation is always for Kira. It's either it's either self-serving or it's uh, good. I guess I guess nothing that he's doing is outright bad. So he's not. You know what I mean? There's no redemption. Chewie has a redemption story because he starts out eating people and ends up being a hero. Right, even though he never want. No, he starts out a hero because we knew Chewie was a hero. We, no, he, he starts out the solo movie eating other sentient beings. That's because he was forced to. That's different. It's not as if that was a choice that he made. We, we Chewie had already been established in Star Wars canon up to that point. He was in Episode Three and he was in the Clone Wars. So we, right, we had right. seen I, him doing heroic things before that. But but he so he had a fall. That's okay. And then he had to kill and eat things that were dropped into the beast hole. And those were sentient beings that were thrown in there by stormtroopers. Right. So ostensibly those were good people, or at least not bad people. Well, we yeah, we don't know. We don't know. But anyway, so there's a redemption story there, maybe. That's just as clear. I've got Chewy question mark on my list. Because that's about what I see. Chewy question mark, Han, possibly. I mean, yeah, now, not, see, not that I you see, but I, 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 I get it. I get what you're going for. Right. And, and it can't be Infus Nest, because though we don't realize it, Infus Nest is a hero with the same motivation all along. Right. And the same thing with Lando. His motivation doesn't change. No. And for a moment, you think Beckett's might have, but it didn't. No. Maybe Kira... No. Maybe. No. I, I, it depends on what her motivation for leaving Han behind was. I guess. If, if Kira left Han behind because she doesn't want him to get wrapped up with Crimson Dawn and Darth Maul, then that could be considered self-sacrifice. Yeah. I I but, think that there is some of that there. So, But if she's just doing it because she gets to be, you know, the second dog now then there's not so a, a case could be made we'll have to see if we get any more um solo right in the prequels where's the redemption story at all i don't know i don't know if there is one there is i can't i've been thinking trying to think of one since before I sent you the message that we should talk about this. Right. I, I Maybe that is why, maybe that's part of why people don't identify with those movies as much. Because, I, I mean, the prequels are just one long setup to the fall. 
But Star Wars has always been to me, and this is one of the reasons I identify with it. Maybe, maybe I'm not so secretly a bad person. Um, but Star Wars is, has been a story about no matter how bad you've been, you still have a chance to do good and make a difference. Right. And there are some of the movies, especially in, in the way that the newer material is told and the prequels, they, I think they lost sight of that. You're right. The prequels are one long setup to the fall of Vader. But look at, like, I have not watched much of Resistance. But there's no redemption arc in Resistance so far. No, None. not, not, well, not yet. I mean, I, I, knowing what I know about the end of the season, which you haven't, I guess you probably haven't watched yet, but um, they do set up a character in that show to potentially be redeemed down the road. Okay. But the main character, one of the reasons I don't like it, the main character is just an idiot. Yeah, he um, is not, I, I guess... If you want, do you want to talk about resistance a little bit or, or have you made the point you were going to make? Well, the, the point that I was going to make is I, I think that um, the last Jedi, one of the things that that um, one of the problems we have with it is the Rosenfinn story seems like it's an ad hoc add on. And from a what makes Star Wars great perspective, it should be the focus Sure. Rose's character feels the loss because there's usually a great loss for the character who, you know, we're following through the story that motivates them. Right. Um, Rose's sister sacrificed herself to take out the dreadnought. That's the loss that Rose feels. That loss motivates her to do good and to stop Finn from abandoning his post and running away like a coward. Finn is running away like a coward, and Finn is redeemed. That's the Star Wars part of that story. Because at its heart, hyperspace and spaceships and space wizards with laser swords is set dressing for what is essentially a redemption story. And you could take that, you could retell these tales without Jedi and without space travel. And the tale of Anakin's fall and redemption is downright Shakespearean. Absolutely. And Finn and Rose are that element of the last Jedi. We want it to be Poe. I want it to be Poe. It's not Poe. I want it to be Kylo and Ray. It's not Kylo and Ray. And I think they're focused. They focus too much on the set dressing and not on the story is, is where I think that movie failed. And I think a lot of other star Wars movies, their new material have had that problem too. You know, uh, rebels, which is excellent is all about redemption stories. Even the Mandalorian or yeah. what, and what, or at what least we've seen what so we've far. seen so far. Have, have you seen chapter three? Mm-hmm. Oh my God! Yeah, so again, good. And yes, it is kind of a redemption story. Yeah, and that's what 
I, I actually had just finished watching episode three of the Mandalorian when I sent you that text. Yeah. That's why I said Disney plus solidified this idea for me that the rest of it is set dressing. And yeah, we love the set dressing. We do. I love space wizards and laser swords, but that redemption story is the thing. Yeah, I agree. And so uh, moving forward, um, and I'm rewatching some old Star Wars because of this. I rewatched The Last Jedi last night because it dawned on me again that Finn and Rose, Finn is the redemption story in there. And if I focus on that and look at the rest of it as filler, which is, and I did it too, I'm not criticizing anyone for doing it this way. We're like, what the hell is this Finn and Rose story you just tossed into this Star Wars movie? And that's not it. That's not the case. Or at least it shouldn't have been. Sure. I agree. It feels that way. And I think that's part of the problem. Um, so anyway, that was what I wanted to tell you. I don't know if it's a startling revelation. I don't know if any of it makes sense. No, and- I, I, I think it does. I mean, I, to be fair, I'm not trying to burst your bubble, but I sort of, I mean, I, I've been defending that story for a while simply for the fact that it does again it has a purpose the purpose of that story as i've said from the beginning is the finn you have to give him something to do and you have to give him you know something to grow on and that is his ultimate decision to to you know not just be out for himself or his friends you know directly like he makes the decision to fight the first order because he sees them as the wrong side of the coin Right, and and I agree with you, but I think it's even a step further than that. It's not that we had to give Finn and Rose something to do. It's that we had to give everybody else something to do during the Finn and Rose story. Hmm, okay. Because Ray's purpose is the redemption of Luke. Is convincing Luke to do something. Right. Um, And the movie only makes sense in that context. So we're watching, we just, Kylo needs something to do during this time period. Right. Every Everything else in a successful Star Wars movie really has been a vehicle toward the redemption of the character. And so you have to look at, or at least you don't have to, but I'm looking at it now from what what elements are propelling that redemption tale. Well, let's, and, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I was just saying, and then making the redemption tale the focal point. And it changed my perspective on how I looked at The Last Jedi. I sure. mean, it, it also made me like Solo less, but, you know, you, you're you only going to get a little bit at a time, Zach. I, I understand. Well, hey, I, I don't like Solo that much either, so we're, we're in the same boat there. Uh, here's uh, something else I don't like very much. Yeah? Star Wars Resistance. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like it. I don't either. I just don't. Like, I, I, it is very clear that Dave Filoni was not as involved with this production. Um, and I think that a big reason why he was not as involved is because I, I believe his responsibilities at Lucasfilm have increased. Um, I think that he 
I have read a couple of different things, including from the Hollywood Reporter, that Lucasfilm as an organization is looking at making him and and possibly John Favreau as well, depending on how how much Favreau wants to be involved, um, into kind of the 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 guiding beacons for the saga. What we've been saying for at least a year now, get, get it, Big Dave approved. Right. It, it appears well, that they're actually going to go that direction. Well, that's excellent. Yeah, I don't. I'm not very far into resistance, mostly because I'm forcing myself to watch it. Yeah, it's it's a rough watch. Um, but God, that main character, I just I want Kaz to fall off the edge of the platform and drown. He is the dumbest main <laughs> character in the history of Star Wars. I don't mean dumb as in like dumb from a concept perspective. I mean it just appears that his intelligence is not very high. <laughs> right. Well, and just... Right, right. He just doesn't understand the concept of the words he's saying. He's... I don't know how many times. I cringe every time he's in a crowded hangar or in a tavern or out in public talking to BB-8 or... I can't remember the name of the guy in charge of the maintenance hanger or the bartender about being a resistance spy. The part of being a spy is shutting the hell up. I think it really, I think it really speaks to the desperation of the resistance. Uh, The idea that, I mean, this guy, if you look at his background, he is from a privileged background, you know, much like Leia and much like Poe, you know, he, he's not, scrounging on the streets he's not a a low life you know in in traditional terms i mean he he came up i think his dad is a senator am i right about that you could be yeah i think his dad is a senator or his dad at least served in the in the republic military um and now you know he is trying to kind of make a name for himself in a way you know he he ha- he was flying in the republic fleet um and poe recruits him into the resistance but i i think that the fact that he is recruited into the resistance just speaks to their desperation because if you had taken one look at this dude's service record <laughs> you would have found out he was not the choice to put on this platform to be a spy my my only hope is that General Leia was reading about history and realized that an incompetent person like Jar Jar Banks can cause a big distraction. And they picked Kaz because he's so fucking inept that he'll draw the attention of the First Order and let the Resistance do something somewhere else. Yeah, possibly. Otherwise, it makes no damn sense to me. Right. And I'm not I'm not that far. So maybe something drastic gets better and changes. But I just don't have hope for that. <laughs> I, I have not seen it yet. I mean, to be honest with you, I, I've watched most of the season, but I did stop <laughs> because I just it. It wasn't interesting me. Like, I, I'm sorry, folks. I know we're doing a Star Wars podcast here, and I know we want to be informed on as much as we can, but it just doesn't seem like Resistance is giving us a significant chapter in this tale. Well, and, and for other things, like, 
<clears throat> okay, like with Freemaker Adventures. All right, you're like Ben. You got to watch Freemaker Adventures. That's well, just because that it was. Up. It's a lot of fun. Well, but uh, just to give you an explanation, so I'm like, okay, I've got to familiarize myself with Freemaker Adventures. So, um, oh, great, it's on YouTube. Some of the episodes were on YouTube. So I put it on on YouTube on the background while I was doing other things so I could listen to it, okay? And my idea at first was I'm going to listen to it, and then I'll watch it again at double speed because it was a Lego thing. Sure. Yeah, whatever. But it was interesting. It grabbed my attention, and I found myself what I had intended to play as background noise while I was doing other things ended up stopping me from doing other things. And the same thing happens when we're, you know, you say we're going to talk about, uh, you pick a, a movie. We're going to talk about The Phantom Menace today. Okay, I put The Phantom Menace on in the background while I'm doing other things to listen to it, and then I'll watch it through right before we, we air. I can't even have Resistance on in the background. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. I just ignore it completely. It turns into white noise. Yeah, I agree. It is not very engaging, uh, and some of the characters are interesting. I like Yeager's. I like Yeager uh, like in general. He seems competent. Okay. He seems like he he knows what's going on. And not I stupid. I I do like the uh, the story with his brother and the uh, the background that they have and the struggles they've had. I guess I don't want to spoil too much in case people want to watch it on Disney Plus. But uh, I mean. I'm not recommending the show. Like I, I at this point, I don't think it is entirely worth your time in a very complicated Star Wars universe. What I will recommend is The Mandalorian, which shouldn't oh come God, as a surprise yes. to every or to anybody. Um, I mean, spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Did I say that enough? One more time. Spoiler alert! Okay, we're going to talk about what we've seen so far. As of this recording, uh, all, well, they've released three episodes of The Mandalorian. And Ben and I have seen all three. Uh, and yeah, this show is awesome. They It really hit a very high point in three. I mean, I Matt made the comment on a Facebook status of mine, like, oh, can you believe the first ten minutes of a Western wasn't exciting? I'm like, well, that's not the point. It, if you're presenting, I mean, you can tell, you can disagree with me if you want, but I feel like if you are presenting a story in a serialized format, like a like a television series, and you have chapters of that story, you should make every chapter count. Every chapter should have something that engages the audience. Otherwise, what's the point? I mean. There, yes, I get it. They're all eight chap. You know, it's an eight chapter story, but there's only eight chapters. So if episode one and two are not particularly great, then what? I, I feel like that's a misstep. But don't worry, because episode three, chapter three, it really steps it up. I the Mandalorian action in that episode when they showed up and they started kicking ass, it was an episode of Star Wars Rebels come to life. It, it was good. It was... I actually didn't think there was any part of the series that was unnecessarily slow or just bad. Well, nothing was bad, but, like, 
people were heaping praise onto the show like oh man it's so good it's so good i'm like i don't know chapter one was just kind of there for me yeah did was there some cool action with the bounty hunter droid and you know shooting out and the the mando like hey we gotta blast our way out of here two guys against a whole camp I mean, that was pretty cool, not going to lie. And then, of course, you got the big reveal of the Yoda baby at the end. But, right. But, I mean, that was what that episode felt like to me was the biggest thing I took away from it was the Yoda baby. And that was at the very, very end. So the rest of it didn't leave a huge impression, and that wasn't a good thing, a good start, in my opinion. Then See, you- I didn't think the Yoda baby was that amazing of a reveal to be honest with you really i mean it was cool but uh to me the yoda baby asks raises so many more questions than it answers obviously i I mean that's its purpose it's it's the unknown right um but the obviously there has to be yoda babies there were yodas they didn't come out of the womb 900 years old. Right. But we don't know. I, I mean, there's just so much unknown about Yoda's species, including their actual name. Right. <laughs> and I, I think that it, it was... It's just one of those frustrating things about Star Wars in today's landscape that you couldn't show that baby at all in the trailers because you wanted to save it as this big surprise. Like, as it turns out, the whole show, at least to this point, has revolved around the Mandalorian coming in contact with this baby and breaking the Bounty Hunter Guild code to rescue it. Like, that's the plot of the show to this point. Yeah, wait till you find out that the Yoda baby is evil and has been using the Force to manipulate the Mandalorian. That would be crazy. I don't think that that's the way they go, but who knows? Maybe, maybe they will. I don't think that's the way they go either, but uh, yeah, I didn't think the first episode was bad. It was what I expected the first episode to be. It wasn't bad. It just didn't leave a huge impression on me. And then episode, Uh, episode two kind of went in those same footsteps, at least for me, because, okay, we have this badass dude, but he gets his ass kicked by Jawas. And then he gets his ass kicked by a, a huge creature. What do they call it? The, the, mud, mud the mud horn. Yeah, he gets his ass kicked by the mud horn. Can't actually defeat it himself. Has to use, Has to get the help of the Yoda baby. And see, but that's that, what I liked about it. Like the main character is the underdog. He's a low-level Mandalorian. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's not. He is not a badass. He's not Sabine Wren. But that's not that's not the canvas that they at least were trying to paint. I mean, uh, Grief Karga, Carl Weathers, he straight up says, dude, you're a legend. You know what I mean? Like, he had a reputation going into getting the Yoda baby. Right, but you're a legend around here. And... So, so Carl Weathers, Grief Karga. Grief Karga. He's telling him, you're a legend around here. You're the best bounty hunter in my stable. But then all the bounties he has are shit. His other bounty hunters suck. Oh, sure. You're the best of... 
That's like saying, well, you're the prettiest turd in the toilet. Right. So I I actually thought that that was really good because, yeah, Grief Karga is trying to build up, build this guy up. But he's not that impressive as Star Wars heroes or Mandalorians go. I mean, he's not Boba Fett level of de- depressing, but he's and uh, Boba Fett's not really a Mandalorian, but that's one of the things I like about it. He's not. He's the guy who has to side with IG. What was it? IG two? IG eleven? I, I, I think it's IG eleven. Yeah. IG okay. IG eleven. I wanted to say IG eighty eight, but that's obviously not right. Um. But he has to side with them to get through pirates. Right. And I mean, he is able to blast his way out of there, you know, pretty impressively. I mean, that I I guess if you're making a show about a brand new character on your flagship streaming service that is, you know, brand new, I, I would think you'd want to make that character look a little better than he did in the second episode. That's all I'm saying. See, and and I actually like the fact that he is not the guy who is always going to win. I have a soft spot in my heart for the underdog. And the non-Star Wars sci-fi that I like is about that underdog trying to survive. Sure. So the fact that Jawas uh, scavenged his ship while he was gone for that whole time, that's awesome. That's what happens when you don't leave your ship at a spaceport on a desert planet. Jawas get it. Right. And now I probably wouldn't have given it a second thought if Jawas didn't get it. But of course that's what's going to happen. Sure. And yeah, okay, it would have been cool if he had gotten into the sand crawler and killed everybody, you know, all the Jawas and got his parts back. But the thing's a rolling fortress. You shouldn't be able to get in there with one man. Well, right. I mean, I'm not saying that it doesn't make sense that he got his ass kicked by Jawas, but the fact remains he got his ass kicked by Jawas. Right. But then he's forced to negotiate with the Jawas to get his property back, and he's just as frustrated about that as we are. Yeah. And and then the fact that he's an underdog, he's earned by the end of the first episode, or at the beginning of the first episode, he has one piece of Beskar steel armor. It's his helmet. One. And then he gets one pauldron. Right. But now and he's got now he's got a almost a full suit. I, I do like the look of his new armor in, in chapter three. Right, but but if you think about it. His helmet, he didn't earn. Oh, he didn't? Well, I'm guessing not, because every time he turns in Beskar, he says, and save some for the foundlings. Right. And once they become Mandalorians, they can't take their helmets off. That's the way. Well, at least this group of them. That That's right. also kind of a confusing thing, you know, being, it, being that we haven't had a ton of the the Mandalorian content that we have gotten in this in the Star Wars Disney canon uh, has not expressed those rules. I mean, 
uh, all throughout Clone Wars and well, Rebels. They've they've been but, taken off their helmets all the time. Right, but now this is after the Great Purge. Sure. So it's probably different rules after the purge. But wasn't Rebels after the purge? No. No? I don't think so. I think the purge came after Rebels. Hmm, okay. I think because because Mandalorians are still fighting against each other for Mandalore. That's what Sabine and Clan Ren are doing. Right. And then I guess, you know, when we leave off that story, Sabine leaves Bo-Katan with the Darksaber and, and leaves Mandalore, you know. Kind and of- then I think I think the purge happens after that. Okay, maybe. I, I could be wrong. But anyway, so we learn that they're saving Beskar Steel for the Foundlings. So once he comes of age and he becomes a Foundling, I'm guessing they give you the helmet. Ah, Okay. Because otherwise, how could you not take the helmet off? Well, that's why you would need to earn it. Well, no, because then you've earned it without it. You've earned it without the helmet on. So it's a, so I'm guessing that anyway, the helmet is given to you by the clan, by the covert. And then you get the worst case of helmet hair of all time. Right, because it, it and it's all matted and it looks <laughs> oh, terrible. <God>. I- <laughs> It's I hard to shower even, with those things on. I can't even imagine. <laughs> I they've teased in the one of the the final trailers that I saw for the show before it launched. They teased that he was uh, speaking with a woman in like a a garden or a courtyard of some kind, and he was removing his helmet. And I I'm like, oh boy, when he takes the helmet off, if he doesn't have helmet hair, which of course he won't, <laughs> because this is Star Wars. Right. Kylo Ren gets to take his helmet off, and it's this flowing mane. So uh, I I don't expect he's going to have helmet hair, but we'll see. They have they have refreshers built into the helmets. <laughs> Otherwise, they would just stink after a while. Yeah, exactly. I've never taken my helmet off. All right, uh, that's going to smell. <laughs> right, stop doing that. <laughs> but so he's only got that one pauldron that he's actually earned. Yeah. And so he's not that good, and and you can tell that by. When he uses the singing birds. Sure. He gets the chorus. It's almost a full suit, maybe even the full suit of Mandalorian armor after he sells the Yoda baby, the yodling. Yeah. Um, he gets that, and then they use some of it to make the, the singing birds, which are extremely rare. And then he ends up using most of them on that group of stormtroopers. Well, what did they say? They were giving him two of them? No, they gave him a whole bunch. Well, because when when they say the singing birds, I, I th- or the whistling birds, excuse whistling me, bird, the whistling birds, I, I thought that they were only, I mean, he didn't use his entire stock there. There'd be no way. But he used half of it. Yeah, probably half of it. Because the singing birds are those little darts in his vambrace. Well, I, I would think that it's a collection of darts, right? It's like a round that you would shoot, and then it shoots multiple. So I, I, I think he has one at least one of those sets left. Well, I'm sure he has one left, but if you watch that scene, those the birds are flying out of different ports on the vambrace. He didn't just fire one to take all those guys out. He fired a bunch of them. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. So, um, but the thing is 
that was going to happen. He wasn't skilled enough to have planned for that to happen. Right. You're going to be surrounded by stormtroopers. You're walking into an Imperial base. Though he does handle himself pretty well up to that point. Got it. He does. I'm not saying he does bad. I'm just saying he's not the most skilled person, even in his own covert. Sure. And so I like the fact that we're following that guy. That the Mudhorn is a beast. It should be tough to fight. And it's great that it damn near destroys the pitiful armor he has, does destroy the chest plate, and he barely survives. Right. It wouldn't if it wouldn't have been for the help of the little Yoda. I don't want to predict too much about the show because I think that from here, it'll just be kind of cool to see where they go. Um, but I, yeah, I'm definitely intrigued. They got me roped in, especially with the, the large scale Mandalorian action. I mean, it really was an episode of Clone Wars or Rebels, you know, brought to life in a way that we had never have ne- had never seen before. I mean, and the, the fact that he's still envious, like he's watching the heavy the closed captioning just refers to him as heavy infantry. Sure. Um, watching heavy fly up to him and he salutes. And then he's like, I got to get me one of those. <laughs> yeah. I got to get me a jetpack. <laughs> now, the one thing that rebels brings or that Mandalorian brings up that I'm having trouble wrapping my head around. And I mentioned this to you in text. How the fuck do Yoda's age? I have no idea. I think that's a question best left on. <laughs> unaddressed because there's no way we're going to find a consistent answer but but it's so inconsistent because the yoda baby is 50 years old allegedly i know you just said you're going to leave it unaddressed and i'm addressing it yeah it's it's 50 years old and it's effectively what a one-year-old human developmentally sure it's not talking it's just starting to walk so if you if you do a correlation uh one one or 50 years is one development year for a yoda baby yoda was 900 when he died so he's 18 right at at that conversion rate right at that conversion rate so there has to be some kaden thinks there's a a threshold kaden your son my son yeah that there's a threshold like they age to like 200 before they actually develop and then they start aging like we do and then they just age super slow until 900 yeah it could be i I mean there there could be a lot of different answers and i don't think we're gonna get one so that's why i don't think it i don't think it does any good to pontificate on it um but yeah it is confusing for sure she's about a third the height of yoda right Probably even, and they're already wrinkly. Yeah, he is already wrinkly. I think that that that's something to note too. You you would have thought that oh, they're so Leota was so wrinkly because he was so old. It's like well, it, it, it looks like his species just is wrinkly. But here here's the reason that I'm bringing it up. What if the Yoda baby isn't a Yoda baby? What do you mean? Well, when Luke first meets Yoda in the swamp of Dagobah, when we first meet Yoda. Yoda's playing like an idiot. 
Oh. Playing defenseless. I see. Okay. What if this Yoda baby is doing the same thing? I mean, maybe, but I would have a hard time believing that if that creature was fully, you know, developed to the point that it could, you know, take those independent actions and fight back, you know, with with very little effort. I mean, it, I... I'm not necessarily saying with little effort, but it picked up the Mudhorn. If it was an adult, right? That, that's what I mean by that. If it was an adult and it could fend for itself, it's just pretending that it can't. I have a hard time believing that it would just kind of go with the Empire. You know what I mean? Like, the, the, the fact that the Empire, or that the, I guess the Empire, that the Imperial Remnant... Uh, whatever that they were doing to it, whatever experiment they were going to perform on it, that it would just, like, sit there and take it. Well, they were going to get tissue samples. They were going to clone the damn thing. Sure. But what if he knew in the Force that that's what he needed to do? What if... Because the one guy was helping him anyway, the scientist guy, the one person the Mandalorian let live. Yeah. What if he could sense that that guy was going to make sure and that it was all going to be okay? Maybe, maybe. I'm not saying that that's the case, but I'm just... Because it's tiny, (coughs) with really big eyes, pardon me, we're referring to it as officially the internet's calling it Baby Yoda. Yeah, which is dumb, because that implies that it is, in fact, Yoda. My uncle, even uh, yesterday, you know, he came back from my dad, or with my dad from hunting, and... uh, he was like, yeah, so this new show, I mean, how can that be Yoda? I'm like, it isn't Yoda. Like, it's just creating more confusion in the marketplace. I think there are people that believe that that creature is, in fact, Yoda as a but baby. It, but it can't be. It cannot Yoda's... be. It's not possible. Right. This takes place after return i think approximately five years after but that could just be me i i I thought i had heard that at some point but yeah so yoda is actually dead i mean yoda's not reincarnated because his force ghost appears right so it can't be yoda um i've seen theories that it's the love child of yoda and what is it yaddle 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 yeah, that that very. I mean, who knows? That could be. Yoda, Maybe. Yoda, Yoda's gonna get his freak on. <laughs> Actually, I'm sorry. I gotta say that like Yoda. Get his freak on. Yoda must. <laughs> right. Right. Um. And so maybe, but like I said, um, maybe this creature is further along developed because while it looks about one. And it can walk, so it you know that's about when humans develop walking. It actually walks pretty good. Oh yeah, it's it's it, just like like Yoda. It doesn't have very long legs, <laughs> right? And so walking is not the most efficient form of transport for it. But but it moves fairly well. Yeah, and it has fine motor function. It unscrewed the knob on that controller. Right. It doesn't that's- seem to be able to speak. But, but who knows? But maybe it's just not talking. Right. Maybe it doesn't speak basic. That could be. You know, uh, so, I mean, there's a lot of... Uh, we're making a lot of assumptions about that character based on its size. But 
as a fully grown adult, the damn things are only three feet high. And as Yoda himself once said, size matters not. Right. And obviously, they're very adept in the Force. I mean, he's got control of the Force in a way that... I mean, hell, you want to talk... How many times has, has somebody brought up the Mary Sue argument to one of us at a convention? Right. Or online or on Facebook? This little shit doesn't have any training at all. Right. It, it's almost as if you don't need that much formal training to be good with the Force. And it's almost as it, or, well, not to be good with the Force. I'm sorry, to do great things with the Force. And it's almost as if... That has been reinforced several times in Star Wars. Who would have thought? For since the beginning. But, right. Um, but the other thing is, maybe it's older and further developed than we think. Certainly fact, possible. I, I mean, you know, the Mandalorian calls it a baby. But, and, and I think I mentioned before, too, that maybe his life scanner just isn't calibrated for yoda species yeah because there's only now two of them and can't three in canon there was a handful in legends but they don't exist anymore yeah right they popped out of existence um i do want to mention really quickly uh the new video game uh okay jedi fallen order uh, which I know you have not had any experience with because you don't. Correct. You, you, I mean, you're just not a video game person. But um, I did pick it up. I have, I believe that I am near the end of the story. Uh, it is really, and you know, this isn't a video game podcast, so it's hard to kind of get into this. But I mean, uh, there's a lot of crossover. I think a lot of Star Wars fans also play major video games. Mm -hmm. um, the big problem that I have with the game is that, so it's a narrative based game, you know, just like a movie, just like a TV show, the narrative has to give you a reason to care about the characters on the screen or it doesn't right. mean anything. And I, uh, I just don't feel like the game did a good enough job of getting me engaged with the character that I was playing as Cal Kestis. Ironically, they did eventually get there, but at such a late stage in the game that it almost doesn't matter. <laughs> like well, they, there was an awesome, I mean, okay. Spoiler alert again, spoiler alert for people who haven't played the game. Spoiler alert. If you don't want to hear this, like fast forward, like five minutes or just turn it off. <laughs> um, <laughs> we, it, there is a point in the game where it, the, the whole game, it starts with Cal Kestis as a scrapper on a planet where they are tearing down old Republic warships to repurpose the parts into new Star Destroyers. And okay. at that point, he has been in hiding, you know, kind of like Kanan and Ezra or, or Kanan. You know, he was a Padawan who survived Order 66 and he's been hiding out on this planet. God, there's a lot of those. Well, there's a couple at least. Um, he is one of them and enough uh, that order 66 cannot be considered successful. <laughs> I don't know about that. There's only four that we've seen. The, if, if you include the, Cal, there, there's Yoda, 
Obi-Wan, that's two, and then Kanan, that's three, and then there's Cal. That's only four. That we're aware of. Right, that we're aware of. But um, Cal's been hiding out on this planet, and at the beginning of the game, his it, it's almost as if his Force abilities have atrophied. Uh, his connection to the Force is not very strong, which is how they justify the fact that he was a Jedi Padawan and had all of these abilities in the Force that you then have to relearn and re, you know, earn in the game. Well, your Space Age, if you don't feed it, gets weak. Uh, apparently so. Apparently so. But um, he he's only able to do a couple of things at the beginning of the game, and then at near the end of the game, you've pretty much regained your full arsenal, and you, you're a lot more capable. Uh, but when you finally regain your full arsenal, that's when they choose to reveal how Cal got in this situation in the first place. And the actual events around the Order 66 that led to him, that led to his Jedi Master being killed and him being put on the Scrapper planet. Um, if they would have opened the game with that sequence... I would have cared a hell of a lot more about what was going on because it was very well done. Like to actually, I I mean, I I know that obviously episode three, you know, we follow Obi-Wan and Yoda as that is happening and we see a lot of the Jedi being killed, but this was an experience that I, I mean, we've never really seen before because we got to play through it. Like I got to be in the shoes of a Jedi Padawan you know, having to run through corridors and fight back against clone troopers and, you know, eventually see his Jedi Master killed in front of him. Like, that was really cool to be able to experience that. If they would have opened the game with that sequence, I would have been right in there from the get-go and I, and I would have had no problem <laughs> with some of the slower parts of the story. But they didn't do that, and so it's tough to get in to get engaged and involved in what is actually happening. You know, the narrative of the game while you're kind of plowing through repetitive fights with stormtroopers. Like that's a problem. But there are Would some that... Oh, go ahead. I'm there sorry. are some cool things in the game. Uh very cool. You get to fight uh Knight Brothers on Dathomir. Uh you get to explore and uh and get your own lightsaber crystal from the caves on Ilum. like there's there's really cool things in the game it just doesn't seem that they actually get to those really cool things until it's too far down the line i can see a lot of people giving up on the game before they get to those points would would it affect the pacing at all if you started out more powerful and then lost your powers because I think that might be why they didn't do it that well, way. That is why they didn't do it that way. But it, it it's just this is not the ga- the only game that has suffered from this problem. In my opinion, that is something that major games have a problem with in the first place. It seems as if they're almost every major game now. The idea is, oh, there's a mystery, right? There's like things about the story that you don't know, and then you find right. them out later. But it's like, well, the characters know those things already, and I, as the audience member, don't know them because you haven't chosen to show me them until this point. Like, it's not as if Cal forgot how his Jedi Master was killed. I, I just didn't see it until later. 
Well, you know, there's a lot of things in Star Wars we can make the argument that suffers from they decide to show us the wrong thing. Yeah. Um, We've been having that conversation for a long time, and it's nice to know that it's not just a uh, a movie and TV show problem, that it extends to, you know, video games as well yeah it extended to this game for sure but it it it's a solid foundation i i guess i'm glad that they did it i'm glad that they released this game and that it it is out there for people to experience and and i'm sure a lot of people i mean it's been getting very good review scores so i think a lot of people are enjoying it i just didn't and i think that that could be just because i'm i'm such a huge fan that I've seen this story play out before, right? Like like right. you said, there are a lot of Jedi that apparently have survived Order 66, and th- that idea wasn't exclusive to the, the canon either. I mean, we saw it plenty in the Expanded Universe before Disney purchased the series. So Right, right. In the Expanded Universe, there were Jedi all over the damn place hiding. Right. The, that used to be the uh, reason the Death Star had an error or had a flaw in its design. Right. The, the narrative is a little played out, and that had me give with some serious reservations about the game that unfortunately have turned out to be justified. But, I mean, if, if you're not that huge into stories of games and you're just looking for something you know, like a good lightsaber combat simulator, that's definitely what this is. <laughs> the combat's pretty good. So Awesome. Um, anything else that you would like to hit before we wrap up? No, I think I hit everything that I wanted to, and hopefully, um, you know, moving forward, we can uh, all look for those elements that actually make a good story instead of the um, parts that the filmmakers may or may not choose to to focus on, Uh, and hopefully we can redeem this. We can have our own redemption story when the final... Uh, installment of the saga is released on the big screen. I hope so. And speaking of the final part of this nine-piece saga, we got to talk about it, Ben. We have to do our prediction show. As became customary with uh, the only other two Star Wars films that have released (laughs) since the show has started, Uh, when we did that for Last Jedi and we did that for Solo as well, uh, and I think we need to do this for The Rise of Skywalker. I think our next episode, which will be coming out right before the movie is released, uh, we're going to try and gather all the information we can about what we are going to expect and, and possibly try to form some uh, some predictions. Now, we are not going to make the mistake of being beholden to those predictions. Because <laughs> we're going to be wrong. Because we will very likely be wrong. But... Uh, I think that it'll be fun anyway, because, I mean, that's what people want to hear, right? That's what people want to see. All right, well, let's let's do that then. We will do that. Until next time, Ben, may the Force be with you. And also with you, This has been a Galactic Netcast production. For more, go to GNCast.com.